0: Chapter Sixteen of The Bishop's Secret by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Zeal of Inspector Tinkler. The strange affair of Jentham's murder continued to occupy the attention of the Burminster public throughout the week, and on the day when the inquest was held, popular excitement rose to fever heat inspector tinkler feeling that the county expected him to do great things worthy of his reputation as a zealous officer worked his hardest to gather evidence likely to elucidate the mystery of the death but in spite of the most strenuous exertions his efforts resulted in total failure the collected details proved to be of the most meagre description and when the coroner sat on the body nothing transpired to reveal the name or even indicate the identity of the assassin who had provided him with a body to sit on it really seemed as though the southbury murder would end in being relegated to the list of undiscovered crimes for i can't work miracles explained the indignant tinkler when reproached with this result and somehow the case has got out of hand the motive for the shooting can't be got at the pistol used ain't to be picked up search how you may and as for the murdering villain who fired it if he ain't down below where he ought to be i'll take my oath as a soldier he ain't above ground take it how you will this case is a corker and no mistake it had certainly occurred to tinkler's bothered mind that miss whichello should be called as a witness if only to prove that at one time the dead man had occupied a better position in the world but after a short interview with her he had abandoned this idea miss whichello declared that she could throw no light on the affair and that she had lost sight of the quondam violinist for over thirty years her recognition of him as amaru had been entirely due to the description of his gipsy looks and the noticeable cicatrice on his face and she pointed out to tinkler that she had not seen the so-called jentham till after his death moreover it was unlikely that events which had occurred thirty years before could have resulted in the man's violent death at the present time and miss whichello insisted that she knew nothing of the creature's later circumstances or acquaintances being thus ignorant it was not to be expected that her evidence would be of any value so at her earnest request Tinkler held his tongue, and forbore to summon her as a witness. Miss Whichello was greatly relieved in her own mind when the inspector came to this conclusion, but she did not let Tinkler see her relief. From Mosque the officer had learned that the vagabond who called himself Jentham had appeared at the Derby winner some three weeks previous to the time of his death. He had given no information as to where he had last rested, but so far as Mosk knew, had dropped down from the sky. Certainly his conversation when he was intoxicated showed that he had travelled a great deal, and that his past was concerned with robbery and bloodshed and lawlessness. But the man had talked generally as any traveller might had refrained from mentioning names and altogether had spoken so loosely that nothing likely to lead to a tangible result could be gathered from his rambling discourses he had paid his board and lodging for the first week but thereafter had lived on credit and at the time of his death had owed mosk over two pounds principally for strong drink usually he slept at the derby winner and loafed about the streets all day but at times he went over to the gypsy camp near Southbury and fraternised with the Romany. this was the gist of mosk's information but he added as an afterthought that jentham had promised to pay him when certain monies which he expected came into his possession who was going to pay him this money asked tinkler pricking up his ears can't you ask me something easier growled mosk how should i know He said he was going to get the dibs, but who from, or where from, I don't know, for he held his tongue so far. "'There was no money in the pockets of the clothes worn by the body,' said Tinkler musingly. "'I dare say not, Mr. Inspector. I don't believe the Cove was expecting any money. I don't. "'Twas all moonshine, his talk, to make me trust him for the bed and grub, and a blamed fool, I've been doing so,' grumbled Mosk. "'The pockets were turned inside out, though.' oh there was was they mr inspector well that does look queer but if there was any light-fingered business to be done i dare say them gypsies have something to do with it did the man go to the gypsy camp on sunday night bell says he did replied mr mosk but i went over to southberry in the arter about a little oss as i'm sweet on so i don't know what he did save by hearsay bell on being questioned by the inspector declared that Jentham had loitered about the hotel the greater part of Sunday, but had taken his departure about five o'clock. He did not say that he was going to the camp, but as he often paid a visit to it, she presumed that he had gone there during that evening. "'Especially as you found his corpse on the common, Mr. Tinkler,' said Bell, no doubt the poor wretch was coming back from them gypsies. "Hmm, "'It's not a bad idea.' said tinkler scratching his well-shaven chin strikes me as i'll go and look up mother jail the result of an interview with that iniquitous old beldame proved that jentham had certainly been the guest of the gypsies on sunday evening but had returned to Berminster shortly after nine o'clock he had stated that he was going back to the Derby winner, and, as it was his custom to come and go when he pleased, the Romany had not taken much notice of his departure. A vagrant like Jentham was quite independent of time. "'He was one of your lot, I suppose,' said Mr. Inspector, taking a few notes in his pocket-book, a secretive little article which shut with a patent clasp. "'Yes, dearie, yes, Lord bless ye," mumbled Mother Jael, blinking her cunning eyes. "'He was one of the gentle Romany, sure enough. "'Was he with you long, Granny?' Three week, lovey, just three week. "'He come to Berminster and got weary like one of you Gentiles, though so he made hisself comfortable with us.' "'Blackguards to blackguards, and birds of a feather,' murmured Tinkler, "'then asked if Gentham had told Mother Jael anything about himself.' He <laughs> screeched, "The old hag! He never told me a word. He come and he go'd, but he kept his red rag to himself. He did, devil! He was a cunning one, that Gentham. Was his name Gentham, mother, or was it something else? He called himself so, dearie, but I never knowed one of that gentle Romanias had a Gentile name. We sticks to our own mostly. Job, I should think so. Are you sure he was a gypsy?' course i am my noble gorgio he could patter the calo jib with the best of em he knowed lots what the gentile don't know and he had the eagle beak and the peaked eye oh tiny Jesus was a romany child, or may i die for it do you know who killed him asked tinkler abruptly no lovey twar'n't one of us though you puts always the wust on our jacks. job dog do never eat dog as i knows dearie he left your camp at nine o'clock? Thereabouts, my lamb, just arter nine. Was he sober or drunk? Betwixt and between, lovey, he could walk straight and talk straight and look arter his blessed life. Hmm, seems as though he couldn't, said Mr. Inspector dryly. "Devil, that's a true saying, said Mother Jael with a nod, but I don't know what come to him, dearie at the inquest mother jael was called as a witness and told the jury much the same story as she had related to tinkler with further details as to the movements of the gypsies on that night she declared that none of the tribe had left the camp that jentham had gone away alone comparatively sober and that she did not hear of his murder until late the next day in spite of examination and cross-examination, Mother Jael could give no evidence as to Jentham's real name, or about his past, or why he was lingering at Berminster. "'He comed and he goed, said Mother Jael, with the air of an oracle, and that was the extent of her information delivered in a croaking, shuffling, unconvincing manner." The carter, Giles Crake, who had found the body, was a stupid yokel whose knowledge was entirely limited to his immediate surroundings. Perched on his cart, he had seen the body, lying in a ditch half full of water, on the other side of an earthen mound, which extended along the side of the main road. The spot where he discovered it was near Berminster, and about five miles from the gypsy camp. The man had been shot through the heart, His pockets had been emptied and turned inside out, and evidently after the murder the robber had dragged the body over the mound into the ditch. Giles had not touched the corpse, being fearful of getting into trouble, but had come on at once to Berminster to inform the police of his discovery. It was Dr. Graham who had examined the body when first discovered, and according to his evidence the man had been shot through the heart shortly before ten o'clock on Sunday night the pistol had been fired so close that the clothing of the deceased over the heart was scorched and blackened with the powder of the cartridge and from this fact added graham with one of his shrewd glances i gather that the murderer must have been known to jentham how is that doctor asked one of the jury because he must have held him in talk while contemplating the crime sir the murderer and his victim must almost have been breast to breast and while the attention of the latter was distracted in some way the assassin must have shot him at close quarters "Uh, this is all theory dr graham said the coroner who was a rival practitioner it seems to me that the whole case rests on theory retorted graham and shrugged his shoulders before the evidence concerning the matter closed, Inspector Tinkler explained how difficult it had been to collect even the few details which the jury had heard. He stated also that although the strictest search had been made in the vicinity of the crime, the weapon with which it had been committed could not be found. As the shooting had been done during a downfall of rain, the assassin and his victim's footmarks were visible in the soft clay of the roadway. Also, there were the marks of horses' hoofs, so it was probable that the murderer had been mounted. If this were so, neither gypsies nor harvesters could have killed the wretched man, as neither the one lot nor the other possessed horses, and— "'The gypsies have horses to draw their caravans,' interrupted a sharp-looking juryman. "'To draw their caravans, I admit,' said the undaunted tinkler, "'but not to ride on.' besides i would remind you mr jobson as mother jael declares that none of her crowd left the camp on that night oh she'd declare anything muttered jobson who had no great opinion of tinkler's brains have the footmarks in the road been measured no they haven't mr jobson then they should have mr inspector you can tell a lot from a footmark, as I've heard it's what the French call the Bertignon system of identification. That's what it is. I don't need to go to France to learn my business, said Tinkler tartly and if I did get the measurements of them footmarks, how am I to know which is which Gentham's or his murderers, and how can I go round the whole of Berminster to see whose feet fit em I ask you that Mr. Jobson, sir. At this point, judging that the discussion had gone far enough, the coroner intervened and said that Mr. Inspector had done his best to unravel a very difficult case. That he had not succeeded was the fault of the case and not of Mr. Inspector, and for his part he thought that the thanks of the Berminster citizens were due to the efforts of so zealous and intelligent an officer as Tinkler. This sapient speech reduced the recalcitrant Dobson to silence, but he still held to his opinion that the overconfident Tinkler had bungled the matter, and in this view he was silently but heartily supported by shrewd Dr. Graham, who privately considered that Mr. Inspector Tinkler was little better than an ass. However, he did not give vent to his offensive opinion. The summing up of the coroner called for little remark he was a worthy country doctor with as much brains as would cover a sixpence and the case was beyond him in every way his remarks to the jury equally stupid with the exception of jobson were to the effect that it was evidently impossible to find out who had killed jentham that the man was a quarrelsome vagabond who probably had many enemies that no doubt while crossing the common in a drunken humour he had met with some one as bad as himself and had come to high words with him, and that the unknown man, being armed, had no doubt shot the deceased in a fit of rage. He robbed the body, I dare say, gentlemen, concluded the coroner, and then threw it into the ditch to conceal the evidence of his crime. As we don't know the man, and are never likely to know him, I can only suggest that you should find a verdict in accordance with the evidence supplied to you by the zeal of Inspector Tinkler." man has done all he can to find out this cane but his efforts have been vain so we must leave the punishment of the murderer to god and as holy scripture says that murder will out i have no doubt that some day the criminal will be brought to justice after this wise speech it was not surprising that the jury brought in a verdict that the deceased jentham met with a violent death at the hands of some person or persons unknown that being the kind of verdict which juries without brains as in the present instance generally give having thus settled the matter to their own bovine satisfaction the jury went away after having been thanked for their zeal by the coroner that gentleman was great on zeal "Hmm, hmm, hmm," said dr graham to himself there's too much zeal altogether i wonder what monsieur de talleyrand would have thought of these cabbages and their zeal well mr inspector he added aloud so you finished off the matter nicely we have done our best dr graham sir and you don't know who killed the man no sir i don't and what's more i don't believe anybody ever will know that's your opinion is it do you read much mr inspector A novel at times, sir. I'm fond of a good novel. Then let me recommend to your attention the works of a French author by the name Gaboriot. There's a man in them called Lecoq, who would have found out the truth, Mr. Inspector. Fiction, Dr. Graham, sir. Fiction. True enough, Mr. Inspector, but most fiction is founded on fact. "'Well, sir,' said Tinkler, with a superior wise smile, "'I should like to see our case in the hands of your Mr. Lecoq.' "'So would I, Mr. Inspector, or in the hands of Sherlock Holmes. "'Bless me, Tinkler, they'd do almost as much as you have done. "'It is a pity that you are not a character in fiction, Tinkler.' "'Why, sir, why, may I ask? "'Because your author might have touched you up in weak parts "'and have gifted you with some brains.' good day mr inspector while graham walked away chuckling at his banter of this red-tape official the official himself stood gasping like a fish out of water and trying to realize the insult levelled at his dignity jobson a small man sidled round to the front of him and made a comment on the situation it all comes of your not measuring them footmarks said jobson in detective novels the clever fellows always do that but you'd never be put into a book not you you'll be put into jail cried the outraged inspector it's more than Gentham's murderer will if you've got the catching of em said jobson and walked off End of chapter sixteen